Hello, it is Friday, dear audience, and this is episode 13, hence Friday the 13th, falsetto style. Hello, soon-to-be weekenders. Hello, audience. As it is Friday, this chapter will have some fabulous trivia, loads of quotes and references, and a little bit of WCC talk and examples. I like to mix things up and scramble that shiz for you to keep things curious and to remain viable, which is exactly what will afford you a successful career of the white-collar persuasion, keeping things infinitely interesting and keeping yourself on your wicked shop toes. I will begin with some trivia about the occult, horror, good luck, and just what the hell the witching hour is. And remember, these sessions are like conferences in one glaring respect. If you can take away one or two or even three tidbits of tutelage, laugh maniacally at a joke or witticism I share, or just let my vibrant, inflective voice wash over your waxy ears, then you are making good use of your idle time. Let's begin with a campfire tale told in the fabulous John Carpenter film, The Fog. Oh, one of my absolute favorites in league with slasher film Halloween. Now, Halloween captured all the credit, but man did the fog make waves to me. Mr. Macon, 11.55, almost midnight. Enough time for one more story. One more story before 12 o'clock, just to keep us warm. In five minutes, it will be the 21st of April. 100 years ago, on the 21st of April, a small clipper ship drew toward land. Suddenly, out of the night, the fog rolled in. For a moment, they could see nothing. Then, they saw a light. It was a fire burning on the shore, strong enough to penetrate the swirling mist. They steered a course toward the light, but it was a campfire like this one. The ship crashed against the rocks. The hull sheared in two. Mass snapped like a twig. The wreckage sank with all the men aboard. Have you ever felt like that at work, audience? Like you were drowning? At the bottom of the sea lay the Elizabeth Dane with her crew, their lungs filled with salt water, their eyes open, staring to the darkness. When the fog returns to Antonio Bay, the men at the bottom of the sea will rise up and search for the campfire that led them to their dark, icy death. 12 o'clock, the 21st of April. Well, it might as well be Friday the 13th. In folklore, the witching hour, or devil's hour, this article claims that it's between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m., and it was thought to be a time when witches and demons and ghouls were at their most powerful. It also has certain connotations with regard to the stock market, stock options, stock index futures, and stock index options, it can play a part in a witching day. There's another example, though, where it says the witching hour is midnight, with reference to the belief that witches and magic takes place at the time between 12 and 1 a.m. There is an increased supernatural activity between sunset and sunrise. So right there, there is a cross-purpose definition of two different concepts of when witching hour might be. You know what this attempt at finding a precise definition of witching hour reminds me of? Time at the White Collar Company 
where one manager tells their team of a new development, technology, or pending implementation of a new procedure, only to have three other managers tell their teams some variation of, but not the same, information, thus fueling a program of pandemonium. I cannot express to you comprehensively how many games of Purple Monkey Dishwasher we begrudgingly partook in at work. You know what makes me happy? F-Star's consistency. A consistent constitution, conversation, and conviction. That I understand. I don't trust humans who are not consistent. And you know what makes me even happier than consistency? The occult and superstitious, laden, All Hallows Eve-oriented festivities. I love Friday the 13th and Halloween and the like even more than I love to hear myself. And for any of you who talk into a mic for your own podcast, you will come to know your voice well. For to properly edit, you will listen and listen some more until your untamed voice becomes a chore. Truth. I offer you only a safe haven of veracity, dear listeners. So like my title, Masquerade Ball, is an event in which many participants attend in costume wearing a mask. Masquerade balls were features of the Carnival season in the 15th century. This went on to be part of pageants and royal entries for marriages and other events of medieval court life. This then transitioned into costume public festivities in Italy during the Renaissance. It was also associated with the Venetian Carnival, but with the fall of the Venetian Republic around the 18th century, all of the mask wearing started to decline and then disappeared. Now, with regards to the number 13, some consider it an unlucky number. Others are convinced that it is in fact beneficial, like a lucky charm. In the Aztec culture, the sacred divinatory calendar basically broke out to a year with a certain amount of days, months, which was broken into 13-day cycles, which were made up of 13 days. Celtic calendar, following the rhythm of the moon, made into 13 months. And Friday the 13th can stand out as a lucky date, one that's conducive to money gains, i.e. success in your corporation. Above your pay grade, outside your scope. If you think about this episode as a well-articulated way of maintaining integrity with your job description and staying within your lane. Are you overworked, stressed to a superfluous degree? Are you assigned too many tasks and a long-standing member of too many committees? Are you repeatedly asked to perform feats that are above your pay grade and beyond your job description? You are not alone. Like that soliloquy from Robert Neville in I Am Legend, played by Will Smith. My name is Robert Neville. I am a survivor living in New York City. If you are out there, if anyone is out there, I can provide food, I can provide shelter, I can provide security. You are not alone. You're not alone, audience. That was a good role, Will Smith. What happened to you? Oh, you got slap happy. Moving right along. You, audience, are not alone in this tribulation of being asked to perform additional work beyond your job description. It may seem an innocuous enough undertaking, but I assure you, If you do not keep your additional workload at bay, it can morph into a taxing, almost sinister subplot. As we know your workload, if not properly monitored, can waylay you. Quote, every avalanche begins with a snowflake. Michelle Gomez. This episode will touch on several ingredients we have broached and seasoned them further, and introduce some new material to boot. Welcome, dear audience 
to the pay grade masquerade. Know your position in your company and have a crystal clear concept knowledge of what is expected of you and what you are getting paid for. If asked to perform extra output with no discussion of additional input, i.e. salary, perks, even intangible benefits, be wary. Do not be taken advantage of. This masquerade is not some fun, festive, cultural carnival event. This is being covered mohawk to Van's shoe and coal dust, but told you are shining bright like a diamond and diamond glitter slivers. There are advantages, and they are sexy, sensical ones, and we will penetrate those advantages with a sharp, rustless tool. <laughs> but first, ponder points. Be wary of additional stress, being taken advantage of, like the separation of a fool and his money proverb, and remain assertive, but in a pleasant, non-threatening way, not in a Hillary Clinton condescension stare sort of way. Let's talk terms and how they apply to Lucky Chapter 13, White Collar, Black Belt, The Pay Grade Masquerade, Behind The Pay Grade Masquerade Ball. I appreciate your patience from that interminably long-winded introduction. Let's define some of this chapter's terminology, shall we? Masquerade, a social gathering of persons wearing masks, but also an action or appearance that is mere disguise or show. The phrase behind the eight ball means to be at a disadvantage. If you are at the pay grade masquerade and you're behind the pay grade masquerade ball for this white-collar black belt sesh, what you really are is you could be deeply enthralled in some sort of an illusion meant to look good, and you may actually be at a disadvantage. And, like the pool visual of being behind the eight ball, it is all about setting up your next shot. It is about prepping that felt table at work, as in life, for looming concerns. And, as we deem this episode to be shamrock clover lucky, and not upside-down cross-voodoo-doll unlucky, there will always be looming concerns in your career. Now that we are speaking about pool, this is an anecdotal example of a graceful exit. It works in pool halls, it works at your company, and if you are going to flee the scene, always have a companion with a Tom Cruise style of sprinting, and always leave the engine running. That is where I found Long Island Iced Teas to be my spirit drink, instead of spirit animal. Or Spirit Squared? You follow? There I was at a pool hall in the annals of my misspent youth. I was there with two compadres downing Long Island iced tea after Long Island iced tea. Three female counterparts that we knew of but were not particularly fond of arrived at said pool hall and started chatting us up. We were stuck. We were stuck at our pool table. We did not want to be there. They were salting our game. They were just ruining the experience with their halitosis and their general annoying demeanor. So one by one, my compadres went to the men's room and we concocted our plan of escape. And then one by one, we left. My compadre who had the vehicle in the parking lot left first and he started his truck. And then I slowly walked out of the men's room and I crept along the, the far pool hall wall and escaped. Then our third compadre came sprinting out as though he was hurtling to our truck. And we left those three femme fatales in a dust of carbon monoxide. We got out of there. And I am a better person for it. Ah, seems like only yesterday. Just be smart with your time. Know your limits. And as you would not want to be surrounded by a bunch of drones, 
Don't simply be a yes man and say yes to all extra volunteering, extra projects that they may want to dump on you. Reminiscent of a telling quote from prophetic and stylish villain Lex Luthor on the memorable show Smallville, My father sent me to Smallville because he'd rather surround himself with drones than people who challenge his archaic business practices. Please don't be a drone. Stick up for yourself and know in good detail what your actual job description is. Be smart with your time, audience. Do not just be a yes man or yes woman or yes asexual plant. Whatever the F stars, yes, we have come to this. Moving right along. Don't be a fool with your time. Here's some quotes about being a fool. A wise man can learn more from a foolish question than a fool can learn from a wise answer. Bruce Lee. A fool thinks himself to be wise, but a wise man knows himself to be a fool. William F. Stars Shakespeare. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliot. Or you have the character Bill Foster played by the great Michael Douglas and falling down. You think I'm a thief? Oh, you see, I'm not the thief. I'm not the one charging 85 cents for a stinking soda. I'm just standing up for my rights as a consumer. Stand up for yourself. Politely, delicately, but make sure you stand up for yourself when you know you're being asked to perform too much when you're not being given enough compensation in return. Some questions. Should you work above your pay grade? Well, it, um, unfortunately, like a lot of things in life, it depends. First, you have to ask yourself, can you take on these additional tasks without making a catastrophic mistake? Is there a specific way you can get the credit without asking for it? Can you make sure that your direct supervisor does not try to take the same credit that you're trying to take, or can you make it work where it's mutually beneficial? Will performing these additional tasks improve your career over the long term? Will you gain new experiences, new skill sets, new values? You should never be intimidated into doing work above your pay grade. In this ever-changing world, you have essential and you have non-essential workers. It's important that you always be seen as essential or viable. This is a small piece of limestone example to the behemoth butte we have talked about regarding moving around at your company and staying viable. You must always be deemed essential. If you can envision a clear path for yourself to success by performing extra, even with no immediate monetary receipt, then proceed with forging said path. You want to consider that the cost of living is always on the rise. When you work above your pay grade, you might really start thinking about how any additional funds you can bring in the door can help with the ever-increasing cost of living. Sometimes, though, the reward for hard work is more hard work. It can be a long journey before you really see the fruit of your labors. It's good to gain new skills and experiences that you can utilize to your advantage Maybe when you're talking about a promotion or you're talking about additional compensation. It may help you financially. One reason to consider performing tasks above your pay grade, it may not guarantee you'll get a raise, but you're laying groundwork or you're setting up your next shot in the aforementioned pool metaphor. Are you qualified to perform the tasks that you're being asked to perform? One example is like backstopping for a supervisor. This opportunity, at least in my experience, was not just handed out like a pamphlet at a self-help seminar or a scare the center straight conservative church program. I would tell your boss you are interested, why, and keep a warm but firm pressure, like a washcloth on your neck when you have imbibed a few too many questionable cocktails handed to you at your local dive bar. Wait, what? Don't perform any tasks above your pay grade that you have not been trained to do 
you're not qualified for, or you're not sure you can accomplish with a plum. Speaking to the concept of ambition, just again, you know, who will get the credit? You want to not engage too much in the petty office politicking. If you have a decent boss, it probably won't be an issue anyway. However, if you have sketchy supervisors or coworkers, it's always good to keep a paper trail, uh, CC'd emails, etc. You just never know. Make sure you are credited if you perform the task well, and if you are really good, you may be asked to do it again, or you may be somewhere in the cockles of their memory when it comes time for promotion. So thank you for some of those pointers, Mr. Alan Francis, in that article, should you do anything above your pay grade. Personal nugget time. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I call bullshiz on that, Mr. Franklin D. Roosevelt. What we do have to, in fact, fear is making a complete F-stars fool out of ourselves, while a slipshod and ill-conceived idea to try to scare someone else, because it's Halloween, because it's Friday the 13th, take the reins on your own freaking judgment. Old GG at Starbucks, Garrett. Oh, I miss that guy. Garrett is all you will get, for I am working to maintain a consistent approach to anonymity. But there I was, working with the likable Garrett. This guy was a wild man if I've ever seen one. He's the kind of guy that will play with jalapenos and jalapeno juice, not wash his hands, and then go relieve himself in the restroom. I mean, the guy was crazy. The guy crazy. And he would serve customers their beverages at Starbucks. Every, every person that came, he would use a different accent. So as far as that person knew, he was from Scotland or he was from Siberia. I never knew what this guy was going to do. Meanwhile, we had this other colleague, co-worker, Emily. And Emily, she was dense, to put it politely. And she was so dense, if she said something, and let's say you had a married couple, and the man said, whoa, Emily, my wife finds that offensive, what you just said. Emily would have said, well, then I half apologize, because you and your wife are split 50-50 on all things. So I will only give you half of an apology. Just stuff like that. But Garrett said, hey, falsetto, you know what? I'm going to get her. She seems like she would scare easy, doesn't she? I said, I don't know. I haven't thought about that in that context. Well, Mr. Wildman decided that because it was Friday the 13th coming up and it was near Halloween, we had a pastry case and we had a, a large serrated blade to cut the pound cake and the lemon loaf and the coffee cake and all that. He got some raspberry syrup from our selection of like 12 different syrups, caramel, uh, Irish cream, and then there was raspberry, which if you use just a little bit of it, it had a color hue consistent to that of human blood. He took off his Starbucks shirt and he was wearing a white t-shirt. He put raspberry all along the horizontal of the front of his throat and he laid in the back room on the ground in a kind of a jigsaw position with the serrated blade near him also covered in raspberry goo. About two minutes later, Emily traipses back there to grab some lids and oh, this is where things went south real fast. She screams bloody raspberry syrup style murder. There's about five patrons in the lobby. She starts screaming so shrill, so loud. She starts mildly hyperventilating. Face gets flush. Well, at this particular location, we were close to a courthouse. So police and medical staff were constantly coming into our, to frequent our establishment. This somehow got like a cop involved. Of course, Garrett wakes up instantly when he realizes that his joke has gone from perverse to just full-blown insane and starts trying to calm her down, but it's too late. The damage is done. 
the image of his lifeless, crumpled body with a serrated pastry-cutting knife and fake raspberry syrup blood was too much for old Emily. And so the cop had to start calming her down, and he called out an ambulance because he thought she was having a panic attack. Garrett's standing there, white, white as the ghost he was trying to emulate with fake raspberry that's like now congealed into like a pig's blood color. It was just the definition of a debacle. I don't think she came back to work after that. Garrett wasn't fired, but oh man, he was having to use some of his Scottish fake accent charm to wiggle himself out of that conundrum. But what a day. I mean, when you think that you're pretty funny and you're silly and you're a little wacky, when you meet someone like old Garrett, who's full-blown wild man, it really puts things in perspective. The next time you want to try to scare someone, you know what? Do it. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Like I said, he didn't lose his job. I mean, dense Emily will never sleep again for the rest of her life. But wow, to, for me to be telling this story after all this time on a chemo hawk session for all to hear, that just tells you the value of making memories and living your life to the full. Ha! Huh. Thank you, Gareth, <laughs> for that. What a fantastic session. I do not know about you, but I feel revitalized and rejuvenated, as though I took a lengthy dip in the preternatural Lazarus Pit for my Batman slash DC fans, which stands for Detective Comics for the Uninitiated. The weekend is right around the F-Star's bend. I implore you. I challenge you. Hell, I freaking demand you do something whimsical and thoughtful. Maybe not to the Garrett fake raspberry syrup blood level. But you know what? Call an old compadre or comrade. Smile at a stranger. Not for an uncomfortable length of time, mind you. A brief smirk will suffice. Help someone in need lay sod on their plot. Or just hold open a door for an unsightly person. Thereby dissipating any false notions that you help them to further your own licentious or otherwise self-seeking motivation. Until next time, dear listeners. Marinate on the knowledge that you have an even-numbered chemohawk session looming on the horizon. And as you marinate, you will slowly unwind the trenchant pressures of your week and thereby unwind the daily grinds. Tune in soon for Chapter 14, White Collar, Black Belt. On a fool's errand, laugh like a fool, finding humor in errands for fools and broken tools. Keep your ear canals good and obstruction free. And please, do not ram a Q-tip into your ear like you were loading an old school musket. Your ears matter to me, audience, and I have an audible interest in your ears' health. Till then, find your zen. Falsetto, out.